You're listening to Church Unplugged, the podcast of Christ Community Chapel. In each episode, we look at questions and topics that are connected to our faith in Jesus and to the way that it plays out in our everyday lives. In this episode, we're asking the question, why are some spiritual gifts practiced and others not? So if you look in scripture, there are often lists of spiritual gifts. How do spiritual gifts work? Why do you see some practiced in the church and some not? There's a lot of a lot of different things to talk through here. Welcome into Church Unplugged. Welcome into Church Unplugged. I'm Jimmy Cozy, part of the leadership team here at CCC. Got with me the rest of our leadership team, Joe Coffey, Zach Wyrock, and Stacey DiNardo. And our uh, topic today is why do we practice some spiritual gifts but not others? So if you read through the New Testament, you'll see various points at which there are lists of spiritual gifts and there are some things that we see, but then there are others uh, such as speaking in tongues or healing or, or that sort of thing that you don't often or we almost never see especially at our church. So the question is, why do we see some and not others? Why do we intentionally practice some and not others? What are the differences and how should we think about spiritual gifts? Well, I think a good place to start is actually that I'm not sure that the lists in the New Testament are meant to be exhaustive. Uh, I think that's a good place to start. I, you know, when I was growing up in church, they would do these spiritual gift inventories and they would take every spiritual gift listed in the New Testament in the various places where Paul will list gifts the Spirit gives. Yeah, there are three different chapters, right? Yeah, that, yeah. yeah. three different lists. And, and they're right. different right. lists, yeah. And they but would some say, of them well, overlap. You, yeah, and they would say, well, you have so, to have one of these, you know, and you would answer questions. And it was mm-hmm. always funny to me. It's like a choose-your-own-adventure. Well, you, yeah, it was always <laughs> funny to me because you could you could predetermine which one you got yeah, if you just answer the question strategically, always. you know, so you get a yeah. cool one. But the fact that when Paul lists those gifts, they're not the same lists indicates that uh, what he's really spiritual gifts are gifts the spirit gives to accomplish the mission of Jesus. So that, for example, singing is not listed as a spiritual gift, but but I would say it is very clear in our congregation and in others that the spirit has supernaturally gifted some people to lead us in worship, and that they are able to engage in that task in a way we are not. And I'm very thankful for that gift, and I would count it just as much a spiritual gift as others that are listed in the New Testament. So that uh, we understand that the purpose of the spiritual gifts more so than any prescriptive, hmm. you have to have this one or that one, or but the Spirit can gift in any way in order to accomplish what the church is, is set out to accomplish. I know, too, I've heard uh, them divided up. Jimmy and I, you, were, you and I were talking uh, before this, that uh, different categories, the people have tried to categorize yeah. the gifts mm-hmm. as a relevant, Revelatory gifts, right? Which would be needed before the New Testament was written down. Then you have authenticating gifts. That it seems obvious that there were some in the in the New Testament where there was a giftedness to Zach's point to further the message of Jesus that authenticated that Jesus was who he said he was. Yeah, they're going into a culture where there's no gospel witness and right. They want to say, hey, we know this guy. He's the son of God. He died and was raised on your behalf. I remember say, you know, I've talked to Sam Stevens for uh, India Gospel League that we are partners with over in India. And you know, their goal is to go to all 600,000 villages in India. It's unbelievable to start churches in those places. And he'll say it's very common for them to go in, preach the gospel, have one person healed. Yeah. And that's it. The church, that's what it that's takes awesome. for somebody to say— they have power. This is real. This yeah. is true. We believe, and they start a church. And then there are edifying gifts that help build up the body and uh, equip us to actually do the work of ministry. 
So for us, I think as a church, we focus on the edifying gifts to build up the to church. try to build up the church, right? Yeah, it's interesting. Jesus even alludes to that kind of framework when multiple times in the Gospels, when he's asked for a sign, you know, give us a sign that will show that that you are who you say you are. And there are times where he will point backwards. So he'll say like, uh, you already have the sign of Jonah. Jonah was in a fish and spit out, and he preached to Nineveh, and they repented. And you've seen God do more than Nineveh, and you haven't repented. It's almost like he's challenging the the Jewish uh, culture of his day to say, you've seen enough. You've seen enough of what God has done. You don't get anything new. You have to reckon with and choose to come up under what you've already seen. And I think uh, that is... I, in a lot of ways, I think an appropriate message for the American church. Like you've seen God do a number of things uh, in history, right? In the scriptures and in the churches um, that God has taken Christianity from a small group of people uh, over 2,000 years to a global phenomena, which has shaped our country. And, you know, that, that asking for more of God, uh, more proof is going to receive a similar rebuke, as opposed to places like where India Gospel League is working, other places of the world, where they have had no, they as far as they know, they have no access to the scriptures, they have no knowledge of what God's done in Christ, and so therefore they would they would get that authen authentic I can't say that authenticating. word authenticating authenticating yeah. yep uh, um, stamp more so than we would yeah I, mean, I remember being at a, a conference of maybe like eight or nine years ago now and there was a speaker who was speaking who. Uh, was a missionary in China, and in apparently in China there are tons and tons and tons of dialects of Chinese, and mm. often you know one set of people can't understand what the other set of people is saying, and so he spoke Mandarin, and I think that was it, and he was telling this story about how he was going into this village where they there was a dialect nobody spoke, they'd never heard the gospel, and so he was kind of saying, okay, well I'm gonna give my message in Mandarin, and he he did, and then after the fact found that. Uh, what the people in the audience heard was wow, his message awesome. crystal clear in their own dialect of of Chinese. And I think that speaks to the point of authenticating mm-hmm. and yeah, revelatory. There are amazing books on what God is doing in the Muslim world, where Muslims will have dreams right. or visions, yeah. and in the dream or vision, they'll be told uh, by, an, by an angel, go see this missionary, right? Go knock on this house and ask that person about Jesus. And of course, it would take that, because in these countries, if a missionary were to go stand on a street corner and say, I'm here to tell you about Jesus, they'd lose their head, literally. So the Lord uses miraculous gifts in order to uh, bring about the salvation of people who would otherwise be very, very difficult to reach, as opposed to in our communities, where there are any number of gospel-preaching churches you could visit at any time, Right. right? It's just an entirely different situation. I think it's very, very difficult in our culture to wield extraordinary spiritual gifts well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can I tell you? <laughs> Just because in our culture, what happens is it becomes about the person. Yeah. Like uh, in India, it seems like you go into a village, you pray for someone's healing. You're not considered a healer. You just have prayed for somebody. Here we make them it's about a the healer. And, you know, just out. from, I mean, I feel like, oh, I, I heard one guy who was speaking on spiritual gifts, and he said <laughs> that he had the gift of teaching. And he said, which means when I speak, you learn, which was a great way to say it, but it made me feel uneasy because yeah. <laughs> I thought, well, oh, okay, yeah. But I, I also know that we're in a in a culture, just being the pastor of a church that's our size, 
where we tend to make celebrities of somebody with a so particular gift. So if there were somebody gift, who, for some reason, was able to heal, oh my goodness, it would become, it would yeah. go viral, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Well, and, I talked to one not missionary necessarily to what, the glory of Jesus. Yeah, right. Yeah. I talked to one missionary friend of mine who tends to be. I was telling Stacy yeah. more charismatic. Um, we were talking about different things, and she ministers overseas, and she she had been in Africa for a decade. She went to e- Egypt, and she was no, not Egypt, uh, to India, India, and was right. preaching in different villages in India, and uh, felt like God was telling her, tell everybody, tell the interpreter, to tell everybody here, if they want to get healed, they can get healed, and she was going, no, I'm not doing that. That's crazy, and God, she felt impressed. She had the interpreter do it. Uh, people started getting healed. She said that lasted for two weeks. Every place I went, people got healed. Then it went away. Yeah. Well, that's, that's never come back. Well, that's an interesting thing because there's no suggestion in the New Testament that gifts are permanent. Right. Yeah. Because they yeah. are yeah. about they are about again the accomplishing mm-hmm. of a particular thing for the glory of God and the good of the church. There is no indication that if you have that's why I hate. I spiritual wondered what gifts. happened with your last sermon. That's yeah, it, that's, that's it. Yeah, that's it why. went away. <laughs> <laughs> Brutal. <laughs> they, they, that's why I hate spiritual gift inventories because people walk away going, okay, I have the gift of this, X and therefore that's the gift I have. I should only serve in ways that correspond to that gift. And when that's not true at all. If I fail, what is that? If I try yeah, to do instead it. Instead, we I should fail. be saying, God, what is necessary yeah. for the accomplishment of what you want us to accomplish? And if you How need can to, you use me? If you need right. to gift right. me right. in that direction, please do. If, it, if you no longer need to gift me in that direction, Please, please do, but there and that's that's one thing I would pre- push upon people is I think there's a lot of guessing as it relates to spiritual yeah. gifts, and there are a lot of places where the Bible is very clear. I mean, I'll give you a good example. So, Jimmy, you alluded to one earlier with the gift of tongues. So, there's all this thinking out there about is the gift of tongues the ability to speak in an angelic language? Is it a, is it you know this ability to speak in this supernatural? You know, the Bible's pretty clear on a couple of things. First of all, every time angels come, and that word angel, by the way, just means messengers. That's what they mm-hmm. are, messengers from God. Every time an angel comes, they speak in the language of the hearer. There's no indication in the New Testament there's any kind of angelic language, like well, I speak English and you speak uh, Hebrew and he speaks angel. There, there's no sense of that right. because they're messengers. <laughs> messengers who speak a language that can't be understood are useless. But when the gift of tongues is displayed in the book of Acts, it is quite simply the ability to speak in a language that the speaker does not know so that the hearer can understand. So in Acts 2, Pentecost, the disciples are speaking in the languages they know, but the audience are, are hearing, they're hearing them in a language that, that they speak, that's where the gift of tongues is. So we have to be careful that we don't, we, we don't overthink it or add to what the Bible has said. Because when you think about the gift of tongues that way, well, then why would we experience that in our church? We all speak English, English yeah. right? There's no need for that gift. It would be a, a superfluous, irrelevant gift, as opposed to context like the story you just told, Jimmy, in China, where it's an absolutely essential uh, uh, gift. So I think sometimes there's just a lot of misunderstanding over over what the gifts are. And, and we have to work really hard to say, well, I don't want to assume I know what the Bible means when it says prophecy. I don't want to assume I know what it means when it says tongues. Are there, are there passages or sections in the Bible that would give clarity on what that gift is and what that looks like? Yeah. I was just going to say that I... I mean, I grew up in a much more charismatic denomination. And... Just to, can we define... We say charismatic twice. Can oh. we just give a... 
quick definition for what we mean when we say that. I the best to define it. There's some... I would think that, well, maybe I'll just say some uh, Charismatic denominations tend to try, tend to practice or attempt to practice the yes, more healing, miraculous gifts. Yes, healing, speaking in tongues. Tongues, prophecy. gifts are prophecy, yeah. Yeah, much more outwardly a part of services, not on a consistent basis. And I'm not one to say, I had, a, again, wonderful, wonderful experiences. But I, from my experience, there are times that I know that the gift of tongues and the pursuing that as an end in and of itself was something that would create um, create even division, create just an overemphasis on something that, again, ultimately I realized was not like pointing me to the mission of Jesus, if you will. So there's, you know, there can be good things. This is not saying that that's those churches are not accomplishing the mission of Jesus. Um, but again, at, I think to Zach's point, um, you know, I'm kind of like hearing what I realized I learned over a period of time was that, man, I came to a point where I was going, man, I'm putting an emphasis on these things or pursuing these things instead of actually saying, Jesus, what do you have for me to do and how can I serve in that way? And at the same time, I had a cool story I just shared with Joe too when I was in Belarus um, where someone was surrendering their life to Jesus for the first time that spoke uh, just Russian in the language there and they began worshiping the Lord in perfect English as soon as as they were praying and in that moment. And again, amazing because as a hearer, I was there as an English speaker, could hear that and was amazed at what God was doing in this person's life. So, yeah, I just think that there can be a, a I've, I've been a part of churches where I've seen it do create dif- division and create some harm at times when there can be an overemphasis on just that. So. Yeah, I think there's a, there is that hunger for wanting mm-hmm. uh, the miraculous, wanting yeah. something spectacular. And I think a lot of times, to Zach's point, Jesus would go, "No, no, you." Uh, well, even in uh, you know one of his uh, one of the parables with uh, the the Lazarus and the man who was in mm-hmm. in hell, right? Mm-hmm. And, he has the law and the prophets. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. Even if someone were to raise from the dead, you would not been. Yeah. Here, Jesus is telling that story. So, yeah, that we have enough. But I think the the big thing, you, know, you Jimmy, you and Zach coach football. I think you know you, the best players on your team are saying uh, to you, whatever you need me to do, wherever you think that I fit, and what tools I have. Yeah, the best assistant coaches too. Right? <laughs> I will do whatever, whatever you need me to do. I mean, I think if we make ourselves available yeah. to God in that way and just say. God, whatever you need me to do, however you need me to do it, whatever you feel like I need to have yeah. in order to accomplish what you want to accomplish. Yeah, that's actually a really good analogy because there are times in a football game where uh, players who don't play a lot are asking me, "Can I play? Can I get in and play this position? Can I get in? Can I try this one? Can I?" And and you get frustrated with them because they're putting the emphasis on, "Can I get a chance to do this?" Right. instead of, "How do we win as a team?" Right, and and they're they're emphasizing the wrong thing, and I, I would just say, you know, at the time we're recording this, we're three weeks into a series on the Holy Spirit, and and one of the ways you see the the spiritual gift conversation go sideways is on the emphasis on the Holy Spirit, where you know Jesus says in in the Gospel of John that the role of the Holy Spirit is to make Jesus known, to teach the church and shape the church in the image of Jesus, to promote the glory of Jesus, so that if you if you ask the Holy Spirit, what do you want to talk about? The answer is going to be Jesus. What do you want to make make real or make a, a clear in our church? Jesus. 
So even when people will ask me things like, are, well, are you a spirit-filled church? You know, what I want to say to them is absolutely, because we're a church that sings yeah, about and preaches absolutely. about and prays about and thinks about Jesus. It's just a, sometimes in this doctrinal arena, the emphasis consistently gets put in the wrong place. Yeah. And I think it's we just let, let the Bible tell us where the emphasis should be and, and how to understand particular things as it relates to spiritual gifts. I was just going to say too. I think in all of this, though, like we're God can never be put in a box. Like in all of this, God can heal. God can do miraculous things. I think the trick is God can do. God it. can yeah. do those things, right? It's not us pursuing a specific end in something, but trusting and knowing God can do it all. You've been listening to Church Unplugged, the podcast of Christ Community Chapel. In each episode, we're going to look at topics and questions that are related to our faith in Jesus and to the way that it plays out in everyday life. We want your feedback. We want your suggestions. If you've got ideas or questions that you'd like to hear answered on the show, you can email us at churchunplugged at ccchapel.com. We would love to hear from you. Thanks for listening.